say we don't give you something extra on Scots Way. Uh, this is, um, I think they're calling it the Margin Special. Um, a wee extra podcast we recorded, uh, well I should say Ian recorded some stuff uh, behind the scenes of the Margins uh, book and music festival that was on uh, recently and we managed to chat to Chris Ward, friend of the pod Um Sam Best, who had uh, the Octavius uh, magazine uh, event. Um, Martin, who basically ran the whole show. He was uh, in charge of the whole thing behind the scenes. And then we finish off talking to, uh, I think it's fair to say, a fairly refreshed Alan Wilson, uh, who was at that point looking forward to meeting the one of his literary heroes and one of mine, uh, William McIlvany. So uh, I will just uh, have a wee listen to what they are going to say, and uh, I'll see you at the other side of it. Yeah. It's my middle wig. Yeah. Uh, All ready to go, excellent. Uh, so, this hubbub, this is magic. This is going to sound really like, oh yeah, see, we are in the cafe. Um, the salon, the literary salon that is the Margins Festival. And, God, uh, oh, nobody will talk to us, so we end up talking to old friends like Chris Ward, and uh, who has been to see Louise Welsh and Chris Brookmeyer. So, what say you? Well, first off, I want to say it's kind of like I'm getting the feeling from this so far that it's going to turn out like a Scots Way Hey Christmas special where you'll be sitting here like, oh, hello, I didn't hear you come in. Yeah. Welcome to my home. Who's that at the door? Why, it's our old friend Alan Wilson. We should have you done know, that. Something like that. that where it's just, custody, it's a hall of fame. Yeah, I, I know. It's like everywhere I look is a prior guest on Scots Way say, Hey. We are at the centre. Yeah. Of what is happening in Scottish culture. Yeah. Including, as you say, uh, Louise Welch, who I just saw along with uh, Chris Brookmeyer in a panel. Uh, obviously, kind of linked by crime fiction, uh, all of their work kind of stretches beyond that. Um, and yeah, both of them read passages from uh, novels that are uh, nearing publication that haven't been published yet. Oh, excellent. Um, so Louise read from um, a novel that she just finished this week, apparently. Which sounds uh, very interesting. Yeah, I know he's um, set in. Uh, oh god, I've already forgotten where it was set. Was it Belgium? Belgium Berlin. or Berlin? It? It's Berlin. Yeah, no, it is. It's Berlin. I, I was going for the bear, the, the European bears. It's not Belfast. Yeah. And it's not bears <laughs> from Happy Mondays. It was the European bears. Um, but yeah, I know a couple who moved there. One of them's pregnant, and um, they begin to suspect goings on with the neighbours. Yeah, it um, seems very Rosemary's yeah. baby, doesn't it? And uh, she read uh, a scene from quite late on the novel. She said the novel's about, uh, I think, 260, 270 pages, and she read from about page 210, 220, so fairly okay. late on, as uh, the discovery of a body in a graveyard. Which doesn't sound like a big revelation, but, you know, uh, it's above ground. Something above else ground. will be happening. Yeah. Something's yeah. probably happened to that body of which yeah. we cannot speak. And uh, talk later on in the panel about how she's fascinated with... Um, Kind of the history of buildings and what stories buildings can tell, you know, if any, if like past crimes leave kind of psychic scars, that kind of thing. Um, how you just walk into a place and instantly feel there's something wrong, something bad's happened oh, okay. there, you know, that kind of stuff. So not overtly horror, not overtly supernatural, but just some something discomforting, you know. Um, What's so, the film with the blind psychic? Is it, uh, don't look don't now. now. It's don't look now. now isn't yeah. It? yeah. So yeah, something like that maybe. And uh, Chris Brookmeyer read from. Uh, his latest book, not the one, he also finished a book today, 
but it wasn't that that he read from. That's going to be his next one down the line. He's written a second sci-fi book uh, after our kind of gen- like kind of vaguely science fictiony book after uh, Pandemonium. Uh, I think this one's called Bedlam. So keeping, you know, he, he's a he's a good man for thematic titles. Yes. He, he, he gets a hook for a series of titles and then sticks to it. But um, yeah, so that one will be coming out soon, I assume. But I uh, know he read from his new uh, crime novel, which uh, was called "Where the Bodies Are Buried." Was that was his last one? Was it? Was that his last one? Or is that so. this one? I'm yeah, not a huge aficionado. Yeah, I think so. Um, so this is the um, the kind of it's not a follow up to that in the sense of sharing characters, or anything, but I think it's sharing tones. Where again, he's kind of he's dropped the. Um, the kind of the, the more satirical, the more humorous aspect. Basically, he's, he's cut out the laughs, and this one is going for something a bit more bleak, a bit more kind of uh, serious, because uh, in his words, that's what he sells. He yeah. said uh, he talked about a revelation he had where uh, him and his wife were watching Twilight on DVD and realized that the, the reason that Stephanie Meyer had been so successful was that she watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stripped yes, out is. all the humor, all the interesting characters, all the metaphor, all the allegory, all the interesting thematic material, and just was left with a bunch of goths. Oh, sta- yeah, a bunch of goths standing about in the rain. And he said, um, if I'd known that, I'd have just taken a camera down to Royal Exchange Square, <laughs> made my millions. Um, but yeah, no, so he read uh, a pretty, gr- the pretty grim opening of the book. Uh, it was just... Um, from as far as I can tell, I mean, obviously re- revelations may come further down the line to completely undermine this, but it seems to be narrated by a killer. Like the opening line is, I killed, you know, something like I killed her. I know yeah, I killed yeah. her, something like that. Uh, and yeah, just very um, kind of unraveling over the course of, of the chapter. Yeah, so you no, know, it seems like it'll be interesting. Uh, so yeah. So is there anything good. else that you uh, have your eye on over the margins weekend? There's plenty. I, I don't know if there's anything I'll actually be able to get to because I'm sadly uh, work. Work, yeah, work gets in the way, and uh, I already had another unrelated gig booked in for Sunday night, uh, so I won't be able to get along with Fleck, which I think is the kind of the marquee event that yes. a lot of people will be keen to get to. Yeah, but I already had uh, plans, devices uh, towards this gig on Sunday night uh, which is unrelated to, to margins but uh, yeah no there's plenty of stuff coming up I mean I think the other big thing that's kind of hanging in the air is uh, the Malcolm Middleton gig tomorrow night with Aiden Moffat supporting and yes. even like I know like there's been various um, suggestions and refutations off the back of that but even as late as uh, Wednesday uh, when uh, Malcolm and Mark Buckland and Alistair Gray were all on uh, Scotland Tonight well, on STV yeah they were yes they were uh, so to speak um, I was saying this actually earlier like of all the when I kind of saw them all coming out of the studio and of all the people I could have went for you know I walked past Malcolm Middleton who's in one of my favourite bands ever uh, Alistair Gray who's one of my favourite authors and out of the three of them it's Mark Buckland I went for I was like hi Mark how you doing you know it's like because I hadn't met Mark up well, there you, know, we, you we, know the other two you know their work exactly yeah um, and uh, yeah no there's so much I felt like you know we have so many mutual friends and everything like this and obviously he's done the Scots Way podcast as well I was like I'm going to introduce myself to this this fine young man uh, and try not to let envy get the better of me um, <laughs> I was funny watching that uh, clip because I did think at one point because Mark and uh, Alistair uh, Gray were sitting on the couch at opposite ends and I did think oh it's just like Christmas around the house the grandfather's in the morning but then of course we did have the reveal of Mark's real grandfather yes. who is of course Glenn Michael and he will love me for repeating that yes. once more Malcolm really did seem fascinated by the prospect of a paladin guest appearance over the weekend he brought that up more than once he was really holding out for that lamp to and in case anyone come in. doesn't know what or who paladin was it was a talking oil lamp that's 
what we had back in the day as entertainment. Yeah. Why Michael came in like primary school? Like he was still, primary school still active, well. like you know, in the, the, the late nineties at least. Uh, he came and showed his cartoons, brought Paladin with him. Oh, we didn't get that. We didn't yeah. get that. Actually, years ago when I was working in uh, first working in a restaurant, and Glenn Michael and his wife uh, came in. Uh, with a young chap who we assumed was uh, like a competition winner get to spend the day with Glenn Michael but actually in hindsight and I've spoken to Mark about this it was probably Mark which yeah. <laughs> it was it was about 20 years ago so uh, yeah it just shows you what a world Scottish celebrity culture is um, yeah I think the Middleton I, I can't wait for that I do like the fact that Malcolm Middleton is playing the game by saying you know, will they, won't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the original point I was going to make. We went on quite, <laughs> quite a tangent there, but that's what I was going to come to, is that uh, they've been kind of, you know, Mark's been talking it up, Malcolm's been a bit more kind of cagey about it over the past few weeks. Like, well, no, we probably won't. But then on TV, when pressed on the prospect of uh, a potential Arab strap reunion in the encore, um, we're still kind of saying, oh, well, never say never, you know. Well, since... Since this won't be heard until after uh, Martins is finished, I'm willing to put my money on it, won't happen. But I don't know, that's just my, you know, who knows? Who knows? If, if it does happen, I will be gutted. Beyond gutted. Because <laughs> having missed the actual definitely happened reunion in November and then having had a shot at this, I mean, like, I probably could make it along tomorrow night, I just don't think it's a good idea because I'll be in work and I'll be, you know, I'm out on Sunday night as well and it'll be like, tomorrow will be like my Monday. Night, you know. Uh, I imagine what's more likely is Mark Buckland will, uh, by that point of the weekend, be uh, enjoying himself so much that he will get on stage yeah. with Malcolm Middleton in an attempt to Arab Strap, <laughs> strap 2.0. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. It was the biggest cock you've ever seen, everybody! <laughs> hey. Just the ladies! <laughs> Something like that. So, uh, anyway, well, thanks for chances no and uh, we'll see you. Oh, next week uh, we're yes. hopefully going to be recording our best off music one, so uh, can't wait for that. Get picking. Get picking. Get picking. Yeah. I wonder how many arms. <laughs> well, I'm limiting myself to one for artists because okay, yeah, uh, then yeah, that's yeah. instantly like six and six so that, slots of the top ten gone. That should be good. Nicola Mayne's going to join us for that, so I'm really looking forward to that. I am uh, Samuel Best, I'm one of the editors for Octavius magazine and we had our big opening event uh, last night at 5pm, the Margins Festival um, and we were really pleased with how it went. It was really busy, we had loads of people who turned up and it was really nice to see so much support for such a, a sort of young new magazine and it really means a lot that so many people come out and take a chance on some new writing that they've maybe not experienced before. Um, all the writers did really well, we had some great performances. Um, we had nine different writers, um, which was all for the bargain price of £3, thanks to Cargo Publishing, who've been putting on some really good deals with the whole festival. Um, and it was just really good. It was really sort of laid back, enjoyable, kind of relaxed evening. Um, so we're really pleased with how that went. And we've been hanging out and going to a few other different uh, events at the Margins Festival. We've just actually just come from uh, Doug Johnson and Helen Fitzgerald's sort of thriller chat, where we got to hear a, a little preview from both of their, their new books and they both look like really really good reads and they're both brilliant to actually see live um, and there's loads else on this whole weekend so Fleck looks to be really good as a, a really sort of star studded lineup for that so that'd be really good to catch um, and then there's plenty of music as well if you want a little break from the books so uh, it looks like a great weekend really 
Uh, next for Octavius, we are closing submissions on Monday, um, so it's not long to get the last little jibs and drabs of submissions coming in. Um, and then we're just going through all the submissions, announcing who's in, who's not, over the next couple of weeks, um, sending everything off, getting it printed and published. Um, then we'll have a, a big launch, so you can keep up to date with that on uh, the website, octaviusmagazine.com, or on Twitter, uh, tag is at octaviusmag, or on Facebook if you search for Octavius Magazine. Um, we'll be constantly updating with little bits and bobs that we're doing. We've got a little competition that we're hoping to run. We've got a featured writer thing on our website, so you can see people that we're going to publish, other people who are a bit more established, just talking about what it means to them to be a writer. Um, and you can see photos of where they work and the difference of workplaces and that sort of thing. Um, so we'll just be constantly keeping up, keeping busy really um, until the launch, and then that'll be that'll be it out there. It's my granddad's 91st birthday tomorrow. Ah, so, uh, you got to make him proud. A pretty wild afternoon planned. Yeah, know? I can imagine. Um, Take Macovani with you. Uh, seventh heaven. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my good God. Hey. Right. Hey, are we ready to go? Here we are. Oh, listen to this hubbub. This is our effects tape that Ian's put together. Now, here we are at the Margins Festival uh, in the Arches, uh, the first night of the Margins Festival. And uh, we're going to hopefully talk to a few of the folk who are hanging about, including a friend of the podcast, indeed, Alan Wilson. Hello. Uh, so, are you were, you've just been on as part of the Octavius uh, set. How do you think it went? Do you know, it went, it went really well, and if you, if you weren't at it, you should be ashamed of yourself. It was a, it was a great event, and... Um, is that pointed at me? I think it is. <laughs> I thought you were at it, Jesus. I was, I had, was, to, I had to finish work. It was, pointed, it was pointed at Ian, if anything, <laughs> and I thought he was at it as well. Uh, no, it was it was a great event, and um, basically, Octavius Magazine, if, if people don't know, is uh, a student-run magazine um, uh, producing a, a... It's going to be, a, a, I suppose, a journal, I suppose. Is, is that the best way to describe it? It's exactly. Literary journal. Yeah, something, and I think, and I think it's fair to say they they've been inspired by somebody like Gutter, you know, yeah. and they're wanting to do something similar. But for people who are maybe students who aren't quite ready to be put, not ready, that's the wrong word, but aren't being published by Gutter yet, they yeah. would maybe would send to Gutter and wouldn't get a chance. So there has to be something where they do get a chance to be in print, and um, Octavius are doing that. So because I'm a student, uh, I send something in, and um, Octavius uh, happily for me accepted it and. Excellent. They had a showcase event tonight with nine writers and a lot of them are poets and you had a, a guy um, whose name I can't pronounce reading Gaelic poetry which oh. was great and then he did the English translation. You had Alan Gillespie, Craig Lamont, okay. um, a number of other people, Kirsty Neary and uh, then myself. But, um, it's a real mix of it styles. Was, it was yeah. a, a good mix of poetry and uh, prose and then also, as you say, a very broad mix of styles, you know, very broad and it was, um, I think it went really well, a great kick-off to the festival. Excellent. Um, you're on tomorrow with um, the legend that is William McIlvanny. Um, I hope you're doing something different. That would that would be really good. Do you know? Yeah. I've, what to do? How do you? I mean, I hope I'm on first because how do you follow somebody like William McIlvanny? Yeah, um, it'll be great difficult. Don't worry, it won't be like the Who following uh, Hendrix. Or <laughs> no, yeah. Um, um, so no, I'm. It's it's one of these things that I've told you, you tell people, you know, and um, a lot of people you tell, oh, I do this writing thing, and they go, oh, very good. Uh, whatever and then but you say I'm on with William McIlvanny and they go William McIlvanny the guy that wrote Laidlaw the guy yeah. that wrote Doherty and they, everybody I think whether they're it. into writing or not seem to know William McIlvanny and um, that that to me and is quite a big deal because it 
you know, it, it makes your mum proud and it makes your dad proud and they go, you're on Welcome Michael Vanny and you tell people and they think, alright, okay, I get this now, yeah. I get what you're talking about. I couldn't agree more, then, you know, I, uh, my folks didn't have a lot of what you'd call Scottish writers in the house, but they did have Laidlaw and Doherty and the big man and, you know, and all yeah. these things. He was a... Uh, and, and as I think it's kind of seemed to be falling fallen out of fashion, it's maybe the wrong word, but he, he maybe doesn't, he's, he's, not a, he's not a genre writer, he's more than that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with genre writer, but he's a, he just doesn't seem to fit, and I think that's a shame, and hopefully uh, tomorrow there'll be plenty of people there to kind of go, hey, you know, hopefully he can see there's a lot of love for him, that's sure that obviously. I mean, yeah. I think he's a... He's a fiercely intelligent guy, and I think he oh, writes from a, a. I mean, I think our writing is very different, but I think he writes from a really similar place in the sense that, I mean, he's shown a life that isn't normally on the page, right? And I think that's admirable. I think he's come from a background that isn't normally the type of background you become a writer, yeah. and that in itself is massively admirable. And in, and and, he, and what he, I like, he does that. He, what I really like that he does is he doesn't sensationalise. No. You know, from what I've read, and he he shows life as it is, and he says, "Fucking, this is, this is." This is as good as anything. Yeah. And um, that he in shows, itself he is shows the, the life that he knew exactly. and, and doesn't try and sugarcoat it or romanticise yeah. it. I don't think anyway. And he doesn't patronise to it. And no. I think um, it's important that it's just shown as it is in, in the same. You know, there's something that Kelman says, I always heart back to Kelman in moments yeah. of desperation, but there's something that Kelman says where he, where he says, you know, just say the thing and the, the, the horror will be in it. Yeah. You know, he talks yeah. about it and he talks about the story right. acid. You don't have to. You don't have, there doesn't have to be a car crash, there doesn't have to be a murder. You doesn't have to be a romantic liaison. Exactly, that's it. You just tell the life as it is, and if, if it's a life that, that somebody like Mike, with uh, Willie McIlvany writes about, then you know that's enough. It doesn't have to. That's why is that? That's as relevant as anything. Yeah. There doesn't have to be some crazy, as you say, romantic liaison or something. It's just. Um, I mean, you say that uh, you don't think his writing's too similar to yours, but actually, there's a book of short stories he did. And it's my, it might be my favourite book. It's called Walking Wounded, which actually does remind me a lot of your stuff. I don't okay. know if you've ever read it, so I'll I'll give you a loan and see if I'm, I'm right or wrong. Um, but again, it does that in in, in just little bite-sized chunks. It just little snippets of life that um, often don't work out well. But it, it's it's saying don't look away from this because this is as valid as other forms of fiction. Yeah, um, I think the idea of whether it. It works out well or doesn't work out well is, um, you know, and the type of stuff I'm reading of McIlvany, you know, it's just, it's, it's neither here nor there, I suppose. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's just to show it and um, as it is. And in a way, it doesn't end, just as life and all that doesn't end, right? And, yeah. and I know McIlvany is very interested in the whole existentialist type of thing and he, and he speaks about these things and he, he says, you know, about the idea of just a, a life on the page is a... Uh, as relevant as, as anything. And, um, I wonder if his problem in the 70s and 80s in particular was that he was maybe just too damn popular. And you know, that often, it's a bit like the Billy Connolly syndrome, you know, people think, oh well, we know he can do that and lots of people like him, therefore it's not of what, not worth it, literary worth it, you know, something like that. Well actually you think, no, as you say, more than perhaps any other writer that's going to be here, certainly in the arches at the weekend, you're an eight gasp the man I'm reading in the street named me a Scottish writer McIlvany would be high high up on that list Aye. you're right I, I, that's an issue isn't it the, the popularity thing the, the second something becomes mainstream or popular a lot of people will turn off from it it's in yeah. every art form it's in music yeah. it's in art it's in writing it's in 
one of these things. But it just, I think now and again, things that are good art will always also become mainstream. Yep. Whereas a lot of, of the time, something that's mainstream will not be good art, right? Yeah. I mean, three quarters, nine times out of ten, perhaps. But now and again, that one yeah. thing will break through, and it's that's a shame right. that that sometimes people will turn against that just because it is broken through yeah. and um, maybe without giving it a chance or maybe without even reading it, you know, or without even considering... And to what... put it in context, when he was writing these books, hugely popular, there wasn't other people out there, wasn't a lot of other people out there doing it, you know, there was maybe George Freel who was doing it in the 50s and then, you know, you, know, you had uh, Kelman and Gray come through, but that was a different type of thing, that was a more... Mm trying to be more artistic whether it was in language or form or whatever this guy was just writing tremendous stories that's it he was and at the end of the day sometimes that's what you want <laughs> I mean they're entertaining for sure but there's definitely there's depth and there's oh yes without a doubt oh, he's, a doubt. he's definitely without doubt got a message and he's I think that's consistent through his work you know the, he's um, I, I think the best way to put it is is that he's I think he's a brave writer yeah. you know and I don't think he cares about fashions and trends you know I don't think if, if we were to walk well I don't want to speak for him but if we were to walk up to Michael Van and say you know you're not particularly popular these days would he care is that why he writes I, he I doubt it no, no. and um, he writes because he loves writing he loves writing books mm. I think that's it and no it's I think it, as you say like, and one of these things with, with people that become popular is if you become popular you can then you can then, well, actually, you've got a couple of options. You can stop writing. Why would you? If you can make money out of it and you're making money out of it, you can keep doing the same thing. McIlvany never did that. He's always re. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's always changing his approach. He's, yes, yeah. He, he writes how he wants to write. He's not interested in trends. He's not interested in fashion. Uh-huh. not interested in what he thinks people want him to write. He writes what he writes. And he, I think as an honest, being that honesty to himself is important for any writer. Yeah. To be honest, to your own vision, whether his vision is whatever is the hoi polloi at the moment, what yeah. they agree with, it doesn't really matter. That I think, to be honest, your own vision is important. And um, You think the man who, if he was worried about just selling books he would have written a hundred documentaries or you know laid laws or yeah. done that thing but actually the man who wrote Weekend his last novel is, it's a completely different type of novel from the big man for instance mm, exactly that's the thing so for me yeah, as, long, as long as he doesn't have commercial um, hang ups hang ups in mind then that in itself is important I think that's in, uh, I right, think right he's writing for the right reasons Definitely. as uh, he should be doing and um so you're looking I'm, forward lo- to I'm lucky, I'm looking forward to it, I'm proud to be alongside him and I, I couldn't be happier. If there was any other person in Scottish literature to be alongside, there's very few I could think yeah. of that I'd prefer to be alongside. I think it's going to be a really good, uh, oh, once you hear this it'll have happened to tell you, but I think it's a really good line-up. I think it's, a, it's one of the good things about margins in, in general is that there's obvious thought going behind all the uh, events that are on. You know, they all make yeah. sense to me. It's not like you go, well, why is that person with that person? And I think it'll make, maybe make more sense to you once you've actually done the event and you go, yeah, I can see why that's happening. Yeah, and McIlvany, I mean, I, I, I like to think, I mean, I don't want to... <laughs> I, I hope that what we, we both do is try to show human human life as mm-hmm. it is and the hope for something better in the dark times and there are good times and not to try and sh- preach some message but just to show it as it is and... You know, and, and it's about showing human beings as they are and trying to hope for something good for us and admitting that, yeah, there's a lot of dark times and I think whether our writing styles are similar or they're not, it doesn't matter. It's I hope I like to think that we're, we're writing from the same place, that we're, it's coming from a good place that is to 
for something positive, right? And then I know that's one of the main reasons I write is for for something quite positive, for a positive reason. Whether the stories are positive or not is, um, to me... The reason for writing is positive. Yeah, the reason yeah. for writing is positive, and that in itself is a positive thing. If the story doesn't turn out well, that's another thing altogether, but the reason that I have written it, I, I like to think is something positive, and, I, and I'm certain, right, he might beat me up for this, but I'm certain Michael Vanny's doing the same thing. Well, the good thing is you've actually given me a lot of stuff I can use when I introduce him tomorrow. I can ask him these <laughs> questions. He thinks this. Right. But uh, cheers, Al, and uh, no well, I hope you have a good time for the rest of the night. Hi, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Hi there, I'm Martin Brown. I'm the assistant director of the Margins Book and Music Festival. Um, we're about halfway through the entire festival right now. As I speak, we've got Don Patterson, Billy Letford and Tom Leonard on stage talking. Three poets, three great poets together. Uh, tonight we're putting on Malcolm Middleton and Aidan Moffat. That should be really, really great. And the festival thus far has been really amazing. We've had a lot of great support from people around Glasgow um, and further afield, I'm sure, people from Edinburgh and so on. Some really great musicians played last night. We had Roddy Wimble and Weathered Hands and uh, Alistair Roberts doing a really great folk set as well as Chris Brickmire and Louise Welsh earlier in the day. Um, and a night in the gutter from Gutter Magazine and uh, Octavius Magazine. So we've had a lot of really, really great stuff. It's been an action, absolutely action-packed weekend so far. Uh, and the final thing is tomorrow we've got uh, Fleck, Alistair Gray's uh, new play based on the Faust myth, myth, which we're doing at the Audenmore. Um, so. So far, I've, I've loved doing this. It's been an absolutely great opportunity to see, see some uh, really great writers and musicians that I've really admired for a long time. Uh, and it's just been great to meet them and to work with them and to put on such a good festival where we can bring so many different kind of elements together. So that was a brief behind the scenes at uh, this year's Margins, um, which I'm sure is just going to go from strength to strength, uh, Ian was was there as well. Um, what were your highlights of the the weekend from what you saw? I know you had to rush away and play on uh, Saturday, but uh, just the, the absolute pleasure of running about with a microphone and sticking it in people's faces. Ah, you don't often get to do that. <laughs> no, you know, I usually uh, get carted away. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it was great. Just the the amount of buzz. That was a great atmosphere, wasn't it? Aye. The atmosphere had one of real sort of purpose. I, I would say yeah. um, Alan Wilson and William McIlvany was was definitely my standout. I think just the, the pairing of them together. I think it worked really well. Was really quite nice. Uh, I would say that, wouldn't I? Because I was cheering it on on stage. But actually, I think it did work really well. That's the thing. I'm sure they they really thought quite hard about how they were going to put these events together. But to have a young writer who very much identified with Glasgow and dialect and, and you know, um, and Alan Wilson and having pretty much, in some senses, the granddaddy of them all and William McIlvany, who is just a class act in every way. I mean, I kind of knew he would be, but, uh, I mean, an absolute gentleman, but also, you know, a consummate performer and it was just a pleasure to hear him uh, read, I thought. And, and as you, you say, it, they really worked well together. It was a great little uh, it could also mean a family up there <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it really you know um, it was great kind of crossing with the generations of uh, kind of Scottish writing I thought mm. it was brilliant for that and uh, I can also say the same another thing uh, which I ended up cheering again, and these my highlights were because I got to do that but um, to have uh, Billy Letford Don Patterson and the great Tom Leonard together I thought that event for me 
I think that was probably my highlight. Um, three great poets, very different styles, but they'd fit together brilliantly. And they, all three of them afterwards said how much they enjoyed it. Fantastic. Uh, to see Billy Letford is something else. To stand up with nothing in front of him and just deliver the poetry like that, it was great. It was like, you know, proper poet, stroke rock star kind of thing. He had that kind of presence. Um, and then the wit and the insight of uh, Don Patterson and Tom Leonard reading, oh gosh, what was it? It was from um, Mother Courage, his adaptation of Mother Courage. And what I really loved at the end was, I said, I thought I'll read from Mother Courage because somebody might still be interested in it. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of, you know, honesty, which is uh, which which really made it. Um, it was busy did, as well. It was, it was busy, yeah. We had over 70 people at the poetry event and, and uh, this is going to sound like a total advert, but it was, it was really busy. And I think for stuff like that, in the place like the Arches was, uh, was a real success. More uh, normally, the music that was there, you would imagine that would be well attended because that's what people are used to in the Arches. Um, you you saw Roddy Wimble, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a. In fact, the whole set was a. It was you know Alistair Roberts with a hand and then Wimble with a fantastic band behind him. Yeah, the, the top top master, the fiddle player. Ah, oh, she was superb. Really enjoyed that. Oh, uh, we should really have learnt her name and given her a proper <laughs> props. Right, but um, <laughs> she was superb, and I think. I mean, I do. I haven't listened to a lot of Roddy Wimble stuff. Never really get into Idol World, but. He's certainly, I can see that his voice is getting stronger and stronger uh, as, he, as he gets on. And he's always been a good songwriter. And the lyrics, lyrics were stunning. And I can say that on the, the following night when uh, you had Malcolm Middleton's, what I'm thinking is, is pretty much a Scottish supergroup. It's got Martin John Henry of De Rosa playing and uh, oh, I can't remember the drummer I recognise from bands. Uh, but I have to say, and apologies to Malcolm if he's uh, listening, but... Aidan Moffat and Bill Wells absolutely were the best, were my musical highlight, partly because it fitted the setting. You know, you had the old lamps on stage, you know, the, the lights were dimmed, you had Aidan giving his tales of woe in the way only he can, and Bill playing this beautiful accompanying music. It was the perfect setting, it was the perfect place for them, and they just absolutely owned the arches for the time they were on. I'm so gutted I missed it. I know, I don't mean so to do gutted. that to you. But there we are. Special mention, I think, must go to uh, the Graham Hunter and Roger Glass event, which apparently Martins could have sold out about four times over. It was rammed. You couldn't have got anyone else in there. We're talking about 12 o'clock on a Saturday in the Arches, and you have over, I think, over 200 people. Yep listening to uh, two writers uh, talking about music, one talking, uh, not music, sorry, football, one talking uh, fiction f uh, with the Bring Me The Head of Ryan Giggs, um, and one who's written, Graham Hunter's written this book on Barcelona, and he is the expert in terms of the British press on Barcelona. And it, they spoke and then answered questions for, quite rightly, 90 minutes. And you could have the pin drop. I mean, people were absolutely spellbound by what was going on. It was amazing to see. I'm really not big on football. Yeah. But um, the I think the passage that Rod Glass read was a, a sort of penalty shootout. Yeah, um, it was the Chelsea uh, Man United. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And for somebody to kind of cap to try and capture the drama of a penalty shootout in words is 
mental yeah. in itself. Mm-hmm. And then to read it out and to actually have you kind of hanging on the edge yeah. was uh, was amazing. And and Hunter's insights into the, the sort of real inner workings of the Bath team was the, really interesting. The, the thing that really worked well was, okay, one's a writer of fiction, one's a sports journalist, yeah. but they understood each other and particularly Graham Hunter understood what the event was uh, and uh, was very generous I think in because uh, there were a lot of people there was a lot of Barcelona shirts there yeah. and Graham Hunter is well known but um, it was absolutely about the two of them together and how it worked together and also Mark, Mark Berkland obviously knows his football as well mm-hmm. um, player for the third Lanark that he is uh, when his shin splints aren't killing him um, but you know, his question was bang on the money. He, you know, it was it was a great... I mean, if, I hope somebody recorded it because that's a, a fantastic radio programme there. To sure listen to them... Did. To listen to them uh, uh, talking like that would, would, you know... If nobody did, I wish I had. <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah. Um, um, and then... The, 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 I mean, there were lots of other highlights. Uh, but, uh, like, Doug Johnson and Helen Fitzgerald you know, reading from their very uh, over 18 rated uh, uh, new novels in yeah. the foyer of the arches when there was a young family <laughs> eating their dinner around the corner, which I don't know if they either of them saw that, but I certainly did. It was well, very funny. Funny. It was great. Aye, it was top, <laughs> top entertainment. Um, and then on the final, on the Sunday night, they had the uh, production of Alistair Gray's Fleck, N.R. and Moore, in the auditorium where he has done the murals and the ceiling, and I, I hadn't been there for years, and I've forgotten what a beautiful space it is. You know, you just spend half your time looking at the ceiling, it's amazing. Um, I saw him do, or I saw a production of it at Edinburgh Festival last year, funnily enough, with Mark Buckland, and uh, it was okay. You were kind of blown away because you knew all the writers on stage, but this one was much better, the sound was better, they'd obviously rehearsed more, they had more actors, which lent the certainly the central characters. It worked much better. Um, they have filmed that because somebody was filming it with a camera, so I couldn't wait to see how that happened. But it was the perfect way to uh, to round off uh, the Margins Festival. And I did say, <laughs> Mark, you know, because we we as I say we went and we saw it in Edinburgh. And he went, this is amazing. I'd love to see it again. I went, this is this is what you're about, is it? You want to see something again, so you say, I'll put on. <laughs> you know, if I build it, they will come. And what better reason? Well, what better reason yeah. apart from insanity and near bankruptcy? <laughs> according to Mister Buckland, but uh, no, it, it was a huge success, and I thought the whole weekend was a blistering success. Yes, I've got an interest. I was involved in it, and Ian came along you know and recorded stuff and we and that was the whole that was the vibe wasn't it it was aye you want to do something for us come in have a go and, and you know take part and it was one of the most as I sure people know often festivals are not the most welcoming things mm. this was the most welcoming and and vibrant uh, certainly book festival I can think of so uh, let's hope that next year's will be an even bigger success I'm looking forward to that already although I'm sure Mark and Martin in particular, I'm going to talk to me about it ever again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was our extra little um, treat in terms of a Margins special podcast. And I think next time, if all goes to plan, uh, our 15th podcast uh, proper will be an interview with uh, the aforementioned Doug Johnson. So uh, that will definitely earn its uh, explicit rating. Totally. We've got it, we may as well. We might as well use it.
See you later. Cheers. <laughs>